the meditation on Sunday was for me. Because, you know, you read that Genesis account and you, you wonder, out of every tree of the garden, he said, you may freely eat, which means no weight watching, no calories. You can eat 50 of this one, eat 30 of this one, just keep eating. Say, but just one, don't eat of it. That shouldn't be a temptation. Is someone listening? It shouldn't be a big deal. But you see, that is Adam and Eve, okay? And their DNA is in us. Hallelujah. Where you are now is the same thing. The very thing that is giving you headache, if you compare it to the things you have. I want us to do an experiment. What is it that God has given you that you want to exchange for what you want from God? Think very well. Just tell God, God, I need money now. Hmm? So... <laughs> Give me wahala. Do you understand? Do you get what I'm saying? That's the same thing. Because like we've said here, everything that happens in the Bible, the pattern is from Genesis. Everything you're killing yourself about, fruit of the womb, is because you're married. So do you want to lose marriage and get fruit of the womb? Husband, is because you're healthy. If you have mental issues, eh? and you don't know whether you're naked or dressed, will it be an issue? School fees. If your child is the type that you pay school fees and they advise you, they are Mr. and Mrs. Lawaja, we thank you for paying the school fees promptly, but please keep this child at home. You can enjoy what God has given to you without having any pressure on your head. That pressure is not from God. And I repeat it here. It is the Pastors are causing this problem. Part of the scripture that I want us to meditate on today is Ephesians 1.3. It said, he has blessed us. He will not bless us. The moment you're born again, he has blessed us with how many? Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Christian is no longer in pursuit of blessing. He has blessed you. The Bible going further said, he that did not withhold his only son, Jesus, will Jesus die for you? Will I take, you know, someone pays uh, for a first class ticket for you and puts you on the plane and you're begging him for cabin biscuit. And you're depressed because they didn't give you cabin biscuit. Do you understand what I mean? This is scripture. The Christian that understands this, I'm telling you, your level change. Do you know that every time you go to negotiate a transaction, you negotiate as effectively as the advantages you come to the table with. In every business, anywhere you go, your negotiating advantage or strength is on the basis of what you have working for you. So when we keep going like, you know, I don't have anything, then you become too cheap. Praise the Lord. But when you know that you have already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heaven, in Christ Jesus... When you sit down at the table, you talk like someone who is bringing something. Do you get what I'm saying? The devil can't, you know, turn you around. It's so painful when you see Christians being turned around. You know, they're being played with because of one thing that they're dangling before you. Something that some people don't even want again. What is it that you want now that somebody hasn't said, I don't want again? Praise the Lord. We are canceling a couple some time ago. And the lady said... Forever, forever, in Jesus' name, I will never marry him again. That's the one you want to kill yourself. 
Something that somebody can do that about. Praise the Lord. God has made his truth known to us. And the scripture we read in that Philemon's verse 6. Let's put it again. It says that the sharing of your faith may become effective. May become productive. May become fruitful. By the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. I take it from another angle. That Christians are not envied by unbelievers. We are not getting it right. That Christians are envying unbelievers. We have failed an exam. Praise the Lord. It's like someone now in, uh, in Israel envying someone in Gaza. Do you understand? I mean, it can't even compare. But that a Christian, no matter the status, no matter your life, that you look at an unbeliever and envy him. You don't understand this. It says the acknowledgement of every good thing that we have in Christ Jesus. What do we have in Christ Jesus? We have an acceptance amongst the beloved. Do you know why I have to struggle to appear in a particular way? So that people will accept me. Isn't it? Maybe we're too old. But if you do secondary school again, and you become a jambite again, when you get into school, you know that there's a friendship of those with iPhones. Praise God. There's a friendship of those that uh, they look at your shoe. The heel doesn't have an alignment issue. So people put pressure on themselves to attain a level so that they can be accepted in particular fellowships. But you and I, in the fellowship we belong, have what? The blood has made for us a new and living way. Each and every one of us are automatically accepted. When you call on Jesus, the same way he'll answer you is the same way that a riffraff who got born again today, he will answer. So what is the pressure? Many years ago, we had in the banking industry then one of the uh, uh, chief executives that took over the, you know, one bank. And before then, everybody who was in the banking industry would wear suit, you know, possibly waistcoat, all of that, and tie. But this guy became a CEO. And made it a point of duty not to wear tie. You know why? He was already CEO. He didn't need tie. Now, you're already greater than CEO. What is that thing that is giving you headache? The man didn't need tie. And before long, those who were wearing ties started removing their ties to copy him. Do you get what I'm saying? When you know who you are. When you know whose you are. When you know the things that you carry. Do you know what it means? That Jesus will introduce you to the Father. I've been in some environments where someone will take me by the hand and take to somebody and say, this is, Jesus is looking for the day he will lead you by the hand and go to the Father and say, this is my brother. Praise the Lord. They are not taking us to the president. They are taking us to the creator of the heavens and the earth. You know? So the Christian who misses this, I thank God for that theme that they gave us. Vigilant thanksgiving. In fact, I think it was on Tuesday or Monday that the Lord said, Vigilante Thanksgivers. That it means that whatever circumstance that hits you, you immediately become a vigilante. You start calculating, what are the things that I can boast about now? We looked at Psalm 34, talking about uh, uh, David, about a place. Somebody that has his Bible, please check it. If you have a paper Bible, you see when he wrote that psalm. Because I, I said it on Sunday, but somebody needs to read it for us so we know. The psalm that he wrote, Psalm 34. Anybody has a Bible with a subheading, with the headings? A psalm of David, yes. When he pretended madness before Abimelech, right? Who what? 
and he departed. Now, what did he say when he was driven away? And he actually says, I will bless the Lord at all times. At this time, he had been anointed king by Samuel. And Saul was pursuing him to kill him. And David said, I will bless the Lord at all. He didn't say, God, why? Yet we make themes of our programs. God, why? God, when? God does not answer anybody why. If he answers you, you won't understand. If God gives you his cloak, you won't be able to read the time. (laughs) Hallelujah. He said, I will bless the Lord at what? All times. He said to the devil, (laughs) "You, you can't touch David. Praise God. He says, my soul shall what? Make its boast. That's what caught me here. You know what it means to boast. Some of us don't boast. But you need to begin to boast. Praise the Lord. You need to begin to boast. You need to begin to boast in the Lord. You need to begin to boast in the good things that are yours in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. You need to begin to boast in the relationship that you have. You speak to some people, you know, they are calling names. They said, you know, the other day I went there. They are telling you about something that has no connection. But they are dropping names for you. But you have Jehovah. Praise the Lord. Not just your own, but he even wants you to boast in him. Praise the Lord. He says, my soul shall what? Make his boast in the Lord. And what did he say? He says, the humble shall hear of it and be glad. I know this person, I know this person. How are you going to do this? I said, I know this person. This person was my classmate. This person was this, this person was that. You have God for you. Make your boast in the Lord. Three says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. This is David as a fugitive from Saul. This is David in the land of the Philistine, running away from Saul who wanted to kill him. How can God be this good when his circumstance was that bad? That is the revelation. Praise the Lord. If you step outside now, you won't see sunlight, right? It's um, after seven, so there's no sunlight. But has the sun ceased? What has happened? The orbit is in such a way that at this point in time, the sun is shining, but it's not hitting you. Now, it's only somebody who is a fool that will say that there is no sun anymore. A wise person will wait for sunrise. I get it what I'm saying. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. You know why? The Lord is the Lord at all times. I might be traveling a season of darkness. I might be going through a season of loneliness. I might be going through a season of pain, but the Lord is the Lord. When the Bible says, in all things give thanks, I think we've explained that here. It's saying, in all things give thanks. God is the same in all things. All things may be changing, but God is not changing. For I am the Lord, I change not. So if you face God, you know, circumstantially, you don't know God. Because God does not fluctuate with circumstances. Imagine if you had a friend, you know, that some days when he sees you, he will greet you. Then some days when that friend sees you, he won't greet you. After some time, what will you start doing? Even when he greets you, you won't answer. You want to get used to him not greeting you. God will want to get used to it. Are you greeting me? Are you not greeting me? Are you praising me? Are you not praising me? Are you worshipping me? Are you not worshipping me? Don't wake up in the morning and because something happened, you refuse to acknowledge me. God cannot be friends with such a person. I will bless the Lord at all times. Whether good or bad, God is still good. Hallelujah. And as you enter into that revelation, what it begins to do for you is that, you know, it solidifies your feet in what God is doing. Because all of this is to progress in what he's doing. Hallelujah, somebody. 
is to progress in what he's doing. The, the son of the prophet that the pastor now reminded us of. You, you can imagine that man's life. At a point he would have felt, you know, abandoned and all of that. But I'm sure where he is, or rather when the wife gets to heaven, the wife will say, ah, darling, I have a testimony. Do you know what happened? And the man will be looking at the wife. And the wife will say, do you know that cruise of oil? Do you know we became millionaires? And the man will be wondering, what happened? He said, I went to the prophet. And he said, do this. Now, you can imagine the regret the man will have. Praise the Lord. So David in that time says, verse 3, thank you. He said, said, oh, what? Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. Don't minimize the Lord. Don't bring him in and put him in your trouble. He's bigger than your trouble. Hallelujah. He's bigger than your trouble. You know, I always have this joke with my wife. When anything happens, I should blame you. I say, your missus, okay, okay. So even if it's your fault, it's my fault because it's my name you carry. Do you understand? But that's what we do to God. Anything that we find that is unfavorable and, you know, we just think, God, why? God, what happened? God, this and all of that. When you do that, you minimize the Lord. Praise God. Well, whereas the Bible says, sanctify now the Lord God in your heart, which means set him apart from your limitation. So I have rent problems. God is not part of the problem. I kneel down and I worship him. I don't say God, but see, see, see. No, I say, God, you're exalted. I set him apart. I don't reduce him to my circumstance. I magnify him beyond my circumstance. Praise God. Paul and Silas, they were put in jail for what? They weren't doing 419. They weren't doing Yahoo, Yahoo. They were preaching the gospel. They were beaten and locked up. When they got into the prison, what did they start doing? They started singing. They started praising God. And what did God do in response? He came and said, I'm here. I want to fellowship with you. You see, we, we read these things in the Bible. But to apply it, that's why we just have to meditate on it. So that we can put it to practice. Praise the Lord. At that moment, you know, in that office, in that circumstance, in that situation, you respond immediately with a burst of praise. You just glorify the Lord. Thank you, thank you. It doesn't matter. My God is faithful. My God will walk, will show up. My God will see me through. When you say that, you activate immediately some processes that are beyond you. Praise God. You know, one of the things that you and I must uh, appreciate about God is that God is jealous about his reputation. Did you know that? No, God is particular about his reputation. And if you make it, you know, if, if it gets into your spirit to always boast in the Lord, sincerely now, you know, you will be big. Are you getting me? Because God watches over his word to perform it. God wants to confirm that you are his servant. God wants to confirm that what you said about him is true. He's particular about his reputation. That's one of the things that Moses used to hold him. When he wanted to destroy the nation of Israel. After they had, you know, disobeyed him, you know, several times. And Moses said to the Lord, what are we going to tell these hidden nations? That this mighty God that parted the Red Sea and brought Israel out of Egypt, you know, with a mighty hand, that he cannot now destroy this morning. If you kill this people, they say it's because you couldn't do it. And it's as though God thought and said, ah, you know, I can't spoil my PR before these people. Okay, we'll continue. I'm going to do it differently. What did he do? He did the change over time. The people were still dying, and the new generation was coming up. What are we trying to say, brothers and sisters? 
Part of the passages we read, can we have it please? Colossians 4.2. Remember, why we looked at this is that we're looking at the season we're in. It says, continue earnestly in prayer. Continue earnestly in prayer. We understand vigilance in prayer. We understand watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation, don't we? But what we are learning now is that what? Being vigilant in prayer with thanksgiving. What does that simply say? If we look at uh, Philippians uh, 4, 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplications with what? Make your prayer. So if we look at those two, we see that there is a very important connection. Or that thanksgiving is a very important part of our prayer warfare. Praise God. Now, when I'm going to try and show you two passages and then we'll pray. So we, we close up. The, the first one I want to show you is what happened with Abraham. It wasn't direct, but it's part of it. Because when we say thanksgiving, we're not saying when we come to church and dance. What we do here, maximum, we spend three hours on a Thanksgiving Sunday. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a change of attitude. You see, we're talking about where you get to. And um, do you know it's possible never to lose your temper again? Even the word lose your temper, you're losing something. Did somebody hear me? (laughs) Even the word lose your temper is what? He got on my nerves is also something that is not good. You don't want anything to get on your nerves. Have you had nerve pain? You don't want it. Don't, don't mind him. He got on my nerves. Nothing will get on your nerves again. You will not lose your temper again. And the Bible says, anger rests in the bosom of fools. You're no longer a fool. We will no longer be fools. In the name of... Do you know one of the things that can help you? The other day. Okay. I can't remember what it was. I think it was my car. That, you know, I was so angry with the person who was fixing it. Because what, what is this? A car doesn't have much fault. Then you go and fix it. And it comes back with so much more fault. Okay, so I was just not happy. And then after some time, the Spirit of God was asking me, okay, 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 I understand you're not happy. But what are the things that you can thank God for, even in this situation? And I started thinking that, okay, if I give this person this car, have you heard of mechanics that they give car in Wusi too? And they find them in... uh... (laughs) You see, you're laughing now. So your problem is that he came back with noise. But he came back. I'm saying you can be vigilant in what? Yes. This boy, you're getting on my nerves. This is my son. Ah, I have a son. Hallelujah. Please keep getting on my nerves. Just let me have a son. Do you get what I'm saying? That's what vigilant means. Being watchful for danger. Not, you know, saying, I I, I regret ever. No, no, no. That, That will never come out from my mouth. You know why? It can't bring God in. Praise the Lord. The, the other part of it is where you're now, somebody, you're going from point A to point B. And at point A, somebody annoys you. And then you take the annoyance and appear in point B. How many of us don't do that? I say don't do it. You know? I mean, men, most importantly, you have a bad day at work. Then you get home and your wife is in trouble. Everybody in the house is in trouble because you had a bad day at work. You know, it, it's so foolish. You know why? Because what happened at point A has now been given power by you to deny you of the benefit that you should enjoy in point B. Now, Genesis 18, let's take Abraham. I'm giving that as a background, so I read out Abraham's story. Abraham at this point, in fact, just before then, Abraham had been trying to get God 
to accept Ishmael. Abraham was in a point where he needed God's intervention. He needed this promised child. Okay? And the Bible said from verse 1, it says, Then the Lord appeared to him by the terrible trees of Manre, as he was sitting on the tent door in the heat of the day. Okay? So Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. Okay? The next verse. And he says, And said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Okay? Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I'll bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by. Inasmuch as you have come to your servant, then they said to him, what? Do as you have said. So Abraham ran and, you know, hurriedly started doing all those things. The point I want you to pick, brothers and sisters, is that Abraham had no business being in a good mood. He had problems. He had no business being extra nice to strangers. You know how it is you come out from the embassy and they've given you a visa. You're nice to everybody. Okay? You go in the meeting goes where you come out, you're nice to everybody. Then you go in, it doesn't go well. You come out and you're nasty to everybody. Abraham had no business being nice to these three strangers. They weren't coming to visit him. But do you know that it was in that reception that he gave them that his problem was solved? Somebody says spiritual things. At no other time, he didn't have a vision to say to him, Abraham, now we come to do this. No, strangers were passing. In the heat of the day, it was very hot. Abraham was an old man who was wondering, when would they give me this Isaac? And then some people who obviously were not carrying Isaac with them were passing. And Abraham obstructed his program to be extra nice to them. And when he received them, they started speaking to him about Isaac. Brothers and sisters, it's not when we say Operation Takeover November that your miracle happens. It's when you walk in the spirit operation overtake 11th hour take it now it's not it's when you walk in the spirit when you walk in the spirit and simply walking in the spirit is walking by the word of god abraham had no business in fact if you have studied your life well you know that those occasions that make it almost reasonable for you to be nasty whenever they come up there's something around the corner you know, you're going for that job interview. Is that money that you and your wife will now quarrel? That's when the disagreement will come. And then we've said it here several times. Couples that have financial problems, put the devil to shame. Just two of you, respect yourself. Because they see two broke people insulting one another you cannot bring financial mess. understand? Be annoyed with the devil that is keeping you from having money. Having money and having a bad mouth is a Praise the Lord. Do you understand? No, no, it's not wise. You know, this person says you, this person says you. But your problem is there just waiting. You have just multiplied it. Your problem was two. You have taken it to power seven. Two times, two times, two times, two times, two to power seven. That's just what you've done. You haven't helped anything. And that's where the devil enjoys to operate. But if two people who are in need of financial are loving on one another. You know, the Bible says that how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. See, he says it's like the oil upon the head of Aaron down to his bed. He said, for there, what God, did God do? He said, God commanded. Do you, have you noticed that it's when things don't work that we blame one another? And then when we blame one another, things spoil more. 
Because the enemy knows that this thing, if I don't scatter them, if I don't make this environment not conducive, God will visit them. God can't visit where there is fight, where there is envy, quarrel, strife. He said there is every evil thing. Evil thing is the opposite of God's thing. Praise God. So Abraham had no reason being this. But somehow, somehow, I want to believe that the scripture that says Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for what? Righteousness. You see, at the conclusion of all that we're learning is that you believe God. Because you see, when I believe God, I don't need God to act for me to enjoy. Did you get that? When I truly am a believer, then I will rejoice in the Lord at all times. But when I'm a scientific Christian, I have to prove by empirical evidence. Shout hallelujah. I need to check how much I have so that my hallelujah will correspond with what I got. But when I'm a believer, I will shout hallelujah anyhow. I get what I'm saying. So Abraham had become a believer. That what his personal issue was did not hinder his relationship with God. And it was in that place being over and above. You know, even God made us in his image, okay? Praise God. Now, um... What, what illustration do we use now? Pastor Chris, you go to eat in a restaurant, you finish eating, you pay, and then you give tip. What is going to happen? The uh, waiter is going to be happy with you. You enjoy the food. Everybody is happy. What has happened is that a transaction has gone on. Right? Okay. The same Pastor Chris, if you go to uh, uh, Gigi's house and you finish eating, do you pay? You don't pay, right? Give tip. You don't give tip, right? He's happy. Okay. On this level... It's transactional. I give you give. Praise God. You know, it's transactional. I give you give. Now, which relationship is more solid? Is it the one you give you give? Here now, you can keep coming here. Keep coming. And you're just eating. I was told onions has gone from uh, one five a basket to 6,000, right? But you're still eating. And they're not complaining. They're not sending you bill. You don't bring out ATM. Why? Because this is your friend's house. I get what I'm saying. Now, when we go to God and we say thank you to God because of what he did, and then we don't say thank you to him because of what he didn't do, we are relating to him as transactions. We are not friends with God. When we become friends with God, no matter what happens, we will worship him. Praise God. And remember, that's what he wants you to be. That's what he said of Abraham. What did he say of Abraham? Abraham, my what? My friend. Do you want God to call you friend? Then treat him like a friend. Don't judge him. Praise God. Trust him. Boast about him. You give your friends credit. Isn't it? If you really have a, a friend that you call your friend. If somebody comes and tells you this is what he said. You say no. He didn't say that. He can't say that. That's what God is calling you and I to. We receive grace in the name of Jesus. I say we receive grace in the name of Jesus. Okay. Another one quickly. We know this one very well. Second Chronicles 20. We've looked at this several times. Second Chronicles 20, verse 1. Talking about um, King Jehoshaphat and the armies that came against him. Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seth. Now the Bible says it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and the others with, uh, with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the, the sea, from Syria. And then Hazazon Tamar, which is Engedi. Now, at this point, Jehoshaphat 
had, you know, initiated a lot of reforms in Israel. And all these reforms he was doing was to please God. Okay? So if you notice verse 1, verse 1 will say, it happened after this. That this that talking about was all the reforms that Joseph had put in Israel to please God. He brought teaching priests, you know, fixed the temple, you know, did all kinds of things that, you know, would make the worship of Yahweh, you know, the way it was meant to be. Okay? And the Bible says it happened after this that this trouble came. Now, brothers and sisters, this is a good point for Joseph to say, I don't understand this type of thing, no. You know, I don't understand this type of thing. You know, but many times as Christians, when we do things that we feel should, you know, count for us on God's call card, if something that is commensurately not, you know, nice, follow, we're taken aback. Praise God. We're immediately wondering. Uh-uh. Some people now, you've not been paying tight. Then you start paying tight. And you bring your tithe so your heart doesn't skip anymore when they talk about tithe. And then that very month, car breakdown, machine breakdown, this one breakdown. Ah, what is going on here? After this, but this is what happened. Joseph, let's see what he did. Verse 3. It says, and Joseph feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Joseph stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. This is what he said. And said, O Lord God of our fathers. He says, are you not what? God in heaven. He established who it was that he was dealing with. Praise the Lord. He established what? Who it was that he was dealing with he said you are god in heaven in spite of these people that are coming against me you are god in heaven the next one he says and do you know what rule over all the kingdoms of the nations it's an attitude listen brothers and sisters if you step out of church this evening believing that your god rules over all the kingdoms of this earth things will change no matter what I'm saying, God rules over all. No matter what I'm experiencing, God rules over. He says, and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nation? And in your hand, is there no power and might? So that no one what, is able to withstand you. When you read your Bible, you see that David also had this understanding. In fact, as a businessman, you need to get this. Because it was David that was speaking, I think it was um, First Chronicles 29. Where he was saying that... He has come to realize that the power to make great or small is in your hand. You know what that means? You enter business meetings, political meetings, whatever meetings, and you're looking at this man. And you know that the only person you need on your side here is God. I get him. The only person, the only variable here is God. Let God just be on my side. It doesn't matter their threats. You know, prophet... Is always a return commensurate with the risk level, isn't it? The lower risk, the risk, the lower the profit, the higher the risk. When you have this kind of faith in God, there are some statements you will make, there are some pronouncements you will make, knowing that I'm making this statement depending on God, and He will show off. Praise God, because we've said 
make your boast in him. He likes it when we boast in him. So Joseph went on and said, in your hand is there no power and might so that no one is able to withstand you. He went on and on. He said, are you not a God who drove out the inhabitants? This is a man who has problems. He hasn't started complaining. He's still talking about the capacity of his God. Have you ever wondered why? When there is a boxing bout, okay? Before the boxers come to box, they talk like women. How many people have noticed that? Pastor Ronke, why are you laughing? They talk like, I will, I will do, I will. Real men, where they want to fight, they don't talk. They just fight. Oh, the women are not happy. I'm sorry. Man, for let you. They just talk. And then sometimes you see them. They come so close to the other. They are putting their faces in front. Although it's to bring more people to watch the match. Because when they enter the ring and they say, go, they see them start dodging one another. You're one, ah, I didn't say you won't rush them before. Now, so they go, just they go back. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God, if you learn no matter the situation, when you kneel down, don't start crying. Remind him. If he's healing, tell him that the organs in your body, he figured them out. Say, God, I've never understood how you made liquid to become bones in the womb of my mother. You have never explained to me, you know, I don't know how you do maintenance in that place that they call heart. That pump, that pumps forever. You never rest. You are God who did it. When you think and remember what he has done, every fear will disappear. You see, God rides on the road called faith. Everything bad needs fear to operate. Sickness needs fear. I shared a testimony at lunch out today. I said, I thank God for strength because I'm supposed to be sick. Do you understand? Everything that is bad needs fear. Everything that is good comes by faith. Let's rise on that. He began to say, you are God who did this. The problem was right in front of him. The situation hadn't changed. Uh-uh. Are you not the one who drove out the inhabitants of this land? Are you not the one who said we shouldn't even kill these people that time? He was telling God. I have confidence in you. I have confidence in you. Tonight, we're going back to God. We're saying to him. <laughs> I don't even know what we're saying to him. Almighty God. Which one is it that I'm singing? Which one is it that I'm singing? You know, just sing your own song. You don't need to take my own. Praise the Lord. Yes. Just exalt him. Are you with me? Just exalt him. Be, God, God is coming to show himself mighty on your behalf. Is somebody listening to me? He is coming. He is faithful. He is listening. He's watching. He says, continue earnestly in prayer. Being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Tonight, everything that has worried you, everything that has threatened you, everything that you have looked at and you're wondering, how do I do this? How does this happen? Every suggestion, every picture that the enemy had put before you, telling you this is how your story will end. Tell them that God began a work in me. I rem- you know, when I was two years, you delivered me. The snake should have beaten me, but you kept me. I should have fallen, but you kept me. This would have happened, but you kept me. You did not bring me this far to leave me alone. Is there anybody that knows that God has been at work in his life? Then can you tell the Lord, I thank you. You do not have abandoned projects. You have begun a work in me. You have begun a work in us. You have begun a work... Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. I want somebody to put 
you know, an, a highway of faith in his or her life. If it's concerning your finances, if it's concerning your relationship, if it's concerning your age, whatever it is, there is a God in heaven who loves you. He said to tell somebody tonight, he says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. He said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. He said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. I know the plans that I have. You will have a testimony. As long as you keep with me. As long as you keep with me. As long as you keep with me. God is saying, I know the plans. I will not fail you. Just don't turn back. Don't grow weary. Don't faint. Don't allow the devil make you think you don't have. You have so much already. But that is not the best. There is so much more. There is so much more. There is so much more. God has begun work in me. God has begun a work in me. And he's not about to leave me. He's so good. He's so kind. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I bless you. I bless you for your coming. In my life, you're coming. In our nation, you're coming. In my family, you're coming. In my body, you're coming. You're coming with healing. You're coming with provision. You're coming with deliverance. You're coming with a blessing. There's a lifting. Father, we thank you. We give you the praise. We raise a highway of faith for you. Behold your sons and daughters. We know who you are. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the first and the last. No good thing will you withhold from those who walk uprightly. For the Lord our God will give grace and glory. Thank you for grace that you've given your children. Thank you for glory is following. Thank you for the lifting up of heads. Thank you for there shall be shouts of joy. Amen. Thank you for there shall be shouts of victory. Amen. Thank you for your children shall triumph. Amen. Thank you for the Egyptians we see today. Ah, soon and very soon, we will see them no more. Amen. You are God Almighty. Yes, you are the ancient of days. Yes, you are the Alpha, the Omega. Yes, you are the beginning and the end. Yes, you are the mighty God. Yes, mighty to save. Yes, mighty to deliver. Yes, Ah, you have inscribed us upon the palms of your hands. We don't have to remind you of us. You are mindful of us. <laughs> your mind is full of us. You behold us, O oh Lord. And you summon the angels. And you say, have you seen my daughter? Have you seen my son? Have you seen my children? Somebody shake like God is boasting about you. I say God is boasting about you. God is telling heavens about you. That is my daughter. That is my son. Those are my children. Tell the Lord I will wait on you. I will trust in you. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.